0: Welcome back to WFIU's Artworks. I'm David Wood. Think Andy Warhol, and a few iconic images come to mind. For some, he's the pop artist who turned Brillo boxes, Tide detergent, and Campbell's soup cans into art. For others, he's the hipster impresario in the shock wigs mumbling eminently quotable platitudes. But photographs currently on view at the Indiana University Art Museum tell a more personal story. One of the beneficiaries of a gift of hundreds of black and white prints and color Polaroids shot by Warhol in the 1970s and 80s and distributed 20 years after his death by the Andy Warhol Foundation, the museum has mounted Shot by Warhol. WFIU's Yael Cassander reports from this exhibition exploring Warhol's photographic legacy.
1: Almost everyone has an impression of Andy Warhol. For a lot of us, it's the Andy of the 60s. The IU Art Museum has taken pains to reconstruct an interior reminiscent of Andy Warhol's 1960s studio, the bastion of cool known as the factory, with silver paint on the walls and rolls of aluminum foil wrapping the gallery's columns. But the photos hung in this setting tell a different story, one that postdates the days of the velvet underground and the exploding plastic inevitable.
2: His whole social circle really changed after the assassination attempt on his life by Valerie Salinas in 1968. Nan Brewer curated Shot by Warhol at the IU Art Museum. After that, it really became more about the social interactions with people that could potentially be his his portrait clients a more uptown scene
1: is that oh it's Martha Graham
2: well it's Martha Graham but you see another figure in a full length Fur coat, and that is Liza Minnelli. The exhibition includes many of the black and white photos Warhol took at celebrity-studded parties. Another figure very involved with, in Warhol's life at this time was was the designer Halston, and Bianca Jagger was an, another one of his close social circle during this particular period in the 70s and 80s.
1: In other words, the creme de la creme of New York society, from the mother of American modern dance to the last name in fashion design, to fabulous types who happened to be in the right place at the right time a glamorous milieu that the rest of us could only glimpse at in the pages of Warhol's interview magazine. But in these black and whites at the museum, personal snapshots never meant for exhibition. We can see past the glamour. Some
2: of it is the lively world of Studio 54, but oftentimes it looks to be more the somewhat staid world of charity banquets, fundraisers. Yeah, these definitely look like bored
1: partygoers at a fundraiser that's gone on just a little too long.
2: Well, Andy had very odd eating habits. He didn't particularly like to eat in, in public. He was very choosy about what he, what he had to eat. And I, I think he had a kind of a poor self-image, so he was a little worried about what he would consume. So give him a lot of time at these events to listen to gossip as well as to take photographs so the people are are off guard they're not necessarily putting on their public persona but their private one including looking a little bit tired out and ready to go the
1: fact that andy had access to all these famous scenesters as friends and acquaintances and that they could be relaxed around him yields a photographic result that was very new at the time this was way before tmz remember we just weren't used to seeing celebrities looking like regular folks, let alone behaving badly.
2: Unlike the paparazzi who were standing outside, kind of trying to sneak a glimpse at these people, Andy Warhol had a much different perspective. He was almost embedded in this society because he was considered a celebrity among celebrities. And and he was always carrying a camera. In the midst of Le To, New York... ANDY HID BEHIND HIS EQUIPMENT. HE LIKED TO BE PART OF THE SCENE. HE HATED TO MISS ANYTHING. IT'S KIND OF THAT COLLECTOR THING. HE WAS VERY OBSERVANT AND HE WANTED TO COLLECT ALL THESE EXPERIENCES. BUT HE WAS ODDLY SHY AND QUIET. HE LIKED HAVING A TOOL TO ALLOW HIM, GIVE HIM A WAY TO INTERACT. AND SO PEOPLE GOT USED TO, OH, THAT'S JUST ANDY. HE'S ALWAYS THERE. THE PHOTOGRAPHS ATTEST THAT ANDY
1: DID TIRELESSLY SHOW UP AT SOCIAL FUNCTIONS. But they also demonstrate the extent to which Andy negotiated his entire existence through the lens. Having shot over 150,000 black and white negatives between 1976 and his death in 1987, Andy's pictures serve as a visual diary of each day, whether the subject is a movie star, a hockey game, or a trash can, all of which
2: turn up here. His black and white images really are more about his, his life as art. He, he really fashioned a lifestyle in his own character as his artistic production. And these black and white photographs really are his life. They're documenting every minute of his life.
1: Shot by Warhol juxtaposes his black and white snapshots with the second stream of Andy's photographic production, the Polaroids he took in preparation for the society portraits for which he became known the go-to portraitist of the rich and famous in the 70s and 80s, was equally prolific when it came to shooting his
2: clients. He would shoot around 100 Polaroids at a sitting of his client, and at the end, they would often ask for for those images. Could they have them? And he would say no. He actually kept them. As he kept celebrity photographs, he collected these images. He would even sometimes have them... um, Signed their names, autographed them, and he kept them for his collection. Warhol had been obsessed with celebrities
1: since he was a child, clipping out stock photos of movie stars and later using them in his work. A few copyright infringement suits, however, may have served as the impetus for him to take his own pictures of the stars. Eventually, the stars, along with bank presidents, society doyennes, and anyone else who could afford the ultimate status symbol, would file into Andy's studio, subjecting themselves to an elaborate ritual.
2: You would come in to the factory, and you were invited to bring a friend. They would have a dinner set up there for you. It always was the same food. But Andy wasn't there. He came as kind of the great Maestro, the impresario, at the very end. So it set up that anticipation for his arrival. And when he arrived, the friend would be sent away. The sitter, particularly if it was a woman, would be asked to remove her shirt and wrap herself in a red and white tablecloth that they kept in the studio for this purpose and be covered, be styled um, with, you know, style the hair and also have often a white makeup put on the face that really evened out the features in any imperfections, and emphasize the eyes and the lips, which were where Andy thought you could capture their real beauty. He would take approximately 100 Polaroids, and then he would pick one with the sitter that would mark it up to be sent off to the printer, who would trans- transfer the image into a silkscreen. Although the silkscreen portraits hang in
1: living rooms and museums around the world, a sizable chunk of the original Polaroids that Andy saved from the sitting process belong to the IU Art Museum and are currently on display. So I see Rico Kasich and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Dorothy Hamill and Bianca. Can you tell me well, some I of call these others? Is
2: the Wall of Fame. But yeah. but as you can tell, they weren't always that famous. Some of his clients, well, they, they had reached a certain stature in their particular profession. Down here, we have Irma S. Mann. Well, you might not be familiar with Irma, but she was the first woman CEO of an international advertising company so so she had reached a stature in her particular profession and you know again it showed that you had made it whether it was in in your celebrity in your social status or in in your financial means admittedly some of the faces on the wall of fame are not as
1: recognizable as they may have been 30 years ago although the portrait may originally have been commissioned to glorify the subject the artist leveraged the traditional genre of portraiture for personal superstardom.
2: I don't think a lot of the other um, pop artists were actually involved in something like portrait commissions. He mm. tapped into a segment of the fine art world that really wasn't being embraced by artists that were maybe on the international scene. It might have been seen as lower in the artistic hierarchy, the subject matter itself. Um, he really embraced it wholeheartedly and elevated it to a very high stature. People would come and see one of Andy Warhol's portraits even if they didn't recognize the sitter because it was an it was a Warhol. That's still true today on the marketplace. An, an image of Renita Zimmet might go on the market and it's going to command a high value because it's an Andy Warhol not because it's it's Renita. In
1: other words, Ars longa,
2: vita brevis.
1: For WFIU, I'm Yael Cassander.
0: Shot by Warhol is on view in the special exhibitions gallery on the first floor of the IU Art Museum through May 8th. We've got photos from the exhibition on our website, WFIU.org arts.